0: Welcome to the Transit Planning for All podcast series. This is DeBrittany Mitchell speaking, and I am co-hosting today's podcast, along with my colleague David Haw from the Institute for Community Inclusion. In this series of conversations, we'll feature transportation planners and advocates who will share lessons learned in their journey towards inclusive transportation planning. Inclusive processes for transportation planning actively involve older adults and people with disabilities, and lead to the development of community and public transportation programs that effectively meet the needs of the people for whom they are designed to serve. Today's featured speaker is Adam Thielker. Adam has been working for Transportation Justice in Worcester, Massachusetts for nearly three years, first by himself, and now with the Transportation Advocacy Coalition and Ridership Advisory Committee, both organized with the help of Worcester Community Connections. He travels nearly everywhere on buses and trains. His education in transportation is through direct observation. Listen as he shares about his experiences, successes and lessons learned.
1: I got involved with looking at the buses here in Worcester, Massachusetts, because I ride the buses. So when I came to town, I wasn't driving a car and I I mean to not drive a car as much as possible for the rest of my life you know, for a whole variety of reasons. Uh, I was uh, amazed to find how infrequently the buses run here and how complicated it can be to get from one part of the city to the other, because nearly every trip that you take here in town involves going out your door to your own bus stop, then going down to a central hub, and then catching another bus out to your final destination. And so if you miss a connection, you can have a situation where a trip which would normally take a couple of hours could literally take half the day, you know, and uh, so I began to wonder what could be done about this, and it, and I began to study transit, and that was really the first time that I that I discovered how complicated systems can be.
2: <laughs> so, so Adam, um, what steps have you taken, or how did you? Get involved in terms of of working on transportation justice issues? um, What kind of would you say? Okay, here's an issue. So, how did you as an individual start to get involved and say, you know, it's one thing when people sort of just sit there and say, this is not working, but you obviously took that next step in getting actually involved in, in some of the advocacy and planning processes. So,
1: well, first of all, I went to my elected officials and went to city council meetings. And there I discovered that a lot of what actually takes place in the system uh, is not under the control of the city council uh, because the WRTA is an agency of the state. And uh, furthermore, I discovered that the WRTA itself, the, uh, the Worcester Regional Transit Authority itself, does not actually have the statutory authority to run its own buses. They have to hire a company to do that. So there's a company called First Transit, which actually pays the riders, maintains the buses in good shape and all of that. And the WRTA also does not directly control what routes it runs. That's done by the Central Massachusetts Regional Planning Authority. And uh, although the city council has a weighted seat on the WRTA board, things have a tendency to fall between the cracks. And with things as underfunded as they have been for the past few years by the state we 've had a lot of problems keeping the, the, the number of buses we have operating on the road and uh, so all of that has meant that i 've spent a lot of time advocating for more money at a state level and figuring out what can be done about raising revenues uh, without hurting you know our customers because of the <coughs> putting putting more on on the uh, fares is is really not going to be you know, successful because there's only, I think 13% of the revenue in the system comes from the riders themselves. Everything else has to come from other sources. Uh,
2: So you bring up a good point. I think that, I mean, clearly one part of getting involved as an advocate and involved in transit planning and transportation planning, it starts with just understanding the system and, and where, how does it operate and where are really the mechanisms for Engaging and having influence. Would you agree with that?
1: Yeah, and it's really a maze getting through it. So I began looking for people who already knew more than I did. And I discovered uh, a, a few people just by talking to people on the bus, you know, who were already involved in this process. And we got started uh, with, with something uh, we, we called uh, the Transportation Advocacy Coalition. And, uh, and we were meeting regularly with the administrator for the WRTA and with a couple of other people from the WRTA. Then this group uh, joins up with, the, with a, a group of, uh, of, of paratransit riders. And so we were talking about transportation in general at this point, rather than just the fixed route systems and began to come up with, with better ideas because people who rely on paratransit have a much more difficult time getting around than those of us who can take the fixed routes. All of this effort eventually meant that we had to have another group, which was meeting more directly with the WRTA, and that was the Ridership Advisory uh, Committee, I think we're calling it now. And the, the committee meets once a month. We do meet regularly with the, with, with the WRTA board members. And we try to work on, on taking steps forward rather than just talking about something or just complaining. We, we come up with a goal and we try to see that goal through to its fruition. Now, the first goal that we had and which we were able to achieve was a the board. There actually hadn't been one for nearly two years. And you really can't understand these systems unless you use them. You know, trying, trying to look at them from afar just simply does not work.
2: when you uh, well, take a step back, who was in this the, the uh, transportation advisor coalition that was kind of an ad hoc group that you helped form
1: yeah it was uh, it, it was uh, it, it came out of uh, the uh, of the Worcester uh, of community connections coalition mm-hmm. uh, and, uh, and and they, they they operate a lot of, uh, of of groups that help people navigate their way through the social agencies, so they were able to Uh, I help us a lot with, with having a place to meet, you know, having a little something for lunch and all of that. And so, and, and like I said, there, there were some very knowledgeable people already working on this problem
2: in that group. And so we were able to take advantage of that. So, you know, another lesson learned there was obviously trying to connect with existing groups that are working on larger issues that can connect you with the right people. Uh, And I, you know, who, so who was on this group kind of, I mean, who, not, so who kind of was represented in this, in your coalition?
1: Um, well, we tried to, we tried to make sure that that these were actual riders in the group. And so uh, there was talk about only allowing riders in the in, in, in the, in the ridership advisory council. But we finally decided that we ought to be allowing riders. And we also ought to be allowing people who cared for riders in the system. You know, so if 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 you don't use the system directly, but if you're helping people get to the bus or understand the system or helping with a social agency, you know that you that's a, a good place to be coming
2: from to be in our group. Yeah, certainly, in some of the work that we've been doing, the caregiver role is something that we've increasingly recognized as got they need to be as part of this as well. Um, There's a caregiver or support person involved. They should be part of this, you know, part of included within these efforts. So, would you agree with that?
1: Oh yes. And uh, as as a matter of fact, uh, we we right away started together a a large number of, uh, of 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 possible you know solutions you know to our public health problems, and we've decided that we ought to be concentrating on one or two things rather than trying to do it all and i believe the transportation is going to be one of the things which we're going to be focused on this time because all of our medical uh, centers are becoming more and more centralized there's fewer and fewer satellites out there you know where you can get you know the the sort of special care that a lot of people need here in an
2: aging city which is also getting also interesting when we think of transportation advocacy and planning Often we're thinking about, you know, like like the Worcester Regional Transit Authority or other, you know, transit authorities or other groups to be engaged with. But here's an example where really on the community health side, transportation has played such a critical role that, you know, being there at that table in terms of the planning processes is is important um, because you know people who don't have access to transportation that will get them into you know whatever medical needs they have or healthcare needs they have, it's they they can't access that so.
1: Yeah, and uh, actually, uh, the uh, the WRTA uh, nominally serves 37 communities surrounding uh, Worcester. And we only have fixed transit routes in 12 of those communities. When when you start to think about that, you know, think about how uh, the, the ADA does not require paratransit where there are no fixed routes. We have a majority of the towns in our system which are at this point relying on, on taxi connections, on friends, and on basically volunteer groups which drive medical patients to their appointments rather than having some way of, of people just getting to a bus stop and, 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 and you know, getting to a supermarket or wherever they need to go. That just
2: simply doesn't exist in most of the communities around Worcester. So in terms of your advocacy efforts, what did you, I mean, you said you had some successes. What, what kind of successes have you had and what do you attribute those successes to? Well, we,
1: we've really been only seriously uh, working on this for a year, I would say. It, it, it took us a while to get organized, but over the past year, uh, we, we helped lead a lobbying effort uh, for the WRTA, which did see enough funds for us to get through the year because the governor had been proposing a budget for all, all 15 of the RTAs of $80 million, which is a drop in a bucket compared with how much they
2: give to the MBTA. Uh, okay. The MBTA, for those who don't know, is the, is the Massachusetts Bay Transit Authority. That is the transit authority for the Boston region. So, it's huge.
1: Yep. <laughs> it, it, it covers about half the population in Massachusetts, but we have about two thirds of the geography And so we're trying to cover two thirds of the geography of Massachusetts and provide transit for everybody in that in the state for somewhere between 80 and 90 million dollars. We started out with the governor proposing a figure of 80 million dollars, and so and we we were able to lobby the legislature to the extent that we did finally get 88 million dollars. But the Department of Transportation decided that they were going that that. The the last $6 million had to be linked in some way to improvements in the system. They want to see increased ridership, they say. And so they wanted us to show that that we were going to be able to increase ridership, that we were going to be able to run the buses better if they gave us more money. And they wanted this before they they handed out the funds. So it's been a competitive process between all 15 RTAs trying to figure out Who's going to come up with the best proposals to get that extra $6 million? And uh, so that's been a real uh, challenge. And now we're going to be doing that again. We have a new budget coming up. And I'm hoping that this year it doesn't take up so much of our time that we'll have more legislators already tuned into what the real problems are here.
2: You've done this advocacy. What do you see as sort of the critical factors in terms of? engaging officials, whether they be legislators, you know, boards, whatever, what do you see as sort of a critical piece of, of getting a seat at the table and, and being perceived in a way that actually has impact?
1: Well, last year, the way that I went about it was by pointing out how much it would help Boston and the area inside the ring roads of Boston if there were better connections coming out to Worcester, going out to Lowell, going out to the cities, which are about 40 or 50 miles away from Boston. We are hardly served by the commuter rail. And, uh, and so if we have better commuter rail connections, we would be able to alleviate some of the pressure on the roads coming in and out of Boston. And at the same time, we'd be opening up the possibility of people living in Worcester and easily commuting into the city every day to get to work. So we have a larger base of people living in the city who were already used to traveling on public transportation, and they'd be more liable to take our buses. And so that's what I've been pointing out to them. This year, what I'm going to be pointing out is more of the health aspects, that if, if we're going to be taking care of an, of an aging population, there are people we certainly don't want to see having to drive out on the roads so who are driving right now. We need to provide them with a better way of doing this. And this also fits in with the governor's plan of having fewer travel miles in cars so that we can improve our carbon uh, 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 load, because he's, he has committed himself to having to 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 reducing our, our our
2: carbon load in the atmosphere so in terms of this, I think there's a few you know what i'm hearing is a few lessons here about the fact that you you've tied this into know, larger goals that you've tried to, to point out the benefits um, so that, you know, this is not just, oh, this group wants, you know, X, Y, and Z, but, you know, you've talked about, you know, environment and health and actually helping with the, the, the Boston area commute and mm-hmm. all that is, you know, those are those are really important things. So people will say, okay, yes, you know, uh, that those things are important. I guess one of my questions with with those factors, was that you doing research on those items? Was that part of your coalition sort of? Um, you know, how, how did you kind of come up with those arguments?
1: Well, mostly it was by networking. Mm-hmm. People heard about us and uh, and we, we, we've we had some meetings and round tables and everywhere I go, you know, where I think my people might be interested, I've been handing out my card and some of them get in touch with
2: me afterwards. Yeah. So, lot it's networking. Um, yeah, every
1: day. Yep.
2: Yeah, um, and, and being active in your community, I assume that's mm-hmm. part of it, just getting out there. People are starting to know me. <laughs> okay. And Brittany, did you want to ask anything or do you want me to just keep going here?
0: Yeah, sure. Thanks, David. So, Adam, one other question that I've been thinking about, because we're working on a project where there are a number of different transit planning groups across the country that are tackling some of the same issues. And I'm wondering, um, one, what inclusive transit planning really means to you? And if there was one key tip that you would give to people across the country who are working on making their transportation efforts more inclusive, what would that be?
1: I think that a lot of people don't realize that um, if you're going to have a more inclusive system, you're, you're going to be adding complexity and once you start adding complexity to the system, if you're going to be having more routes and everything, that's going to be costing more money. Uh, people are are not politically willing to spend what what uh, you know in, in in this country the way that you know, Europe or Canada or anything or or other countries are spending on their transportation, and so and we would much rather rely on cars as a as a, a political solution. And I think we're seeing that with all of the uh, you know, stress on, on Uber and uh, autonomous vehicles and all of that, none of which are going to actually help relieve the congestion on the roads. That really can only be done with a bus. But we have great roads, we have buses. If we had bus lanes, we'd be able to travel from one place to another in a reasonable amount of time on a bus and people would start to take a bus because it would be faster than a car especially if we're going to start limiting parking the way that Boston has definitely been limiting parking over the past years. As soon as you have transport, which is ADA compliant, and as soon as you have paratransit, which reaches out far enough into the community, you also have a system growing, which will be easier to use than a car for most people. If As soon as it becomes more convenient to take... A public transportation into a, a longer road more convenient than, than using a car uh, that's that's the point at which we'll start to see some so some change in the way that people think about this uh, i i i would say that the biggest word to remember when you're thinking about public transportation is convenience how can we make this more convenient for people
2: we want to thank adam filker for joining us on this edition of the transit planning for all podcast Adam's story of transportation advocacy has some wonderful lessons learned regarding getting involved with transportation planning.
0: One lesson I heard is the importance of understanding the structure of local and regional transportation systems and what entities are responsible for planning and oversight. Another lesson that I heard
2: is the importance of networking with others and engaging and working with like-minded organizations who are working on transportation advocacy. Adam shared a wonderful example of that. Also, the importance of advocating with elected officials in the state legislature is is part of engaging in transit planning and an important advocacy effort to remember.
0: For me, the most important overall takeaway is the importance of not just accepting the status quo if you are not satisfied with transportation options. The key is making your voice heard and doing so effectively.
2: Yes, absolutely to Brittany. And you can learn more about Adam's efforts and the efforts of the Worcester Transportation Advocacy Coalition at the coalition's website, which is sites.google.com backslash view backslash Worcester dash transportation dash A-D-V-O-C. And Worcester is spelled W-O-R-C-E-S-T-E-R. That's W-O-R-C-E-S-T-E-R. You can also find the site via Google search for Worcester Transportation Advocacy Coalition. And the Facebook page, which Adam moderates, is Waiting for the Bus, which you can find on Facebook.
0: This podcast is also a production of Transit Planning for All an inclusive and coordinated transportation planning project seeking to increase inclusion in transit planning and services for people with disabilities and older adults.
2: Transit Planning for All is funded by the Administration on Community Living at the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services. Transit Planning for All is operated by the Community Transportation Association of America, CTAA, in conjunction with N4A, the National Association of Area Agencies on Aging, DJB Evaluation Consultation, and the Institute for Community Inclusion at the University of Massachusetts Boston.
0: Our project website is acltoolkit.com. If you have any questions or comments on this podcast, please go to our website, acltoolkit.com, and click on the Ask the Expert section. Episodes of the Transit Planning for All podcast are released monthly via our website and various podcast platforms. This is to Brittany Mitchell.
2: And this is David Hoff. Thank you for listening and please join us again.